wake and bake with the boys Pull out some weed and get high Dude smoking on the phone while Scotty's talking Way too long, got time to smoke one more Taking the message to the people now Keep smoking and growing and watching prohibition fall down What up, DGC? Hanging out with Chad, man. We haven't had, we need more IPM talk. Chad, you are a bug consultant. Isn't there a more technical term, Scotty, than just bug consultant? He's a bioconsultant, man. It's not just bugs, all right, man. There's fungi. There's all sorts of living living things that he could use, man. Nice. Horticultural bioconsultant. What do you call yourself, Chad? You tell me. Um, well, really, I call myself a bioconsultant, but uh, what I specialize in is uh, integrated pest management. I think that's the word you guys are looking for, oh, um, yeah. uh, which, yes. which incorporates all the bugs and fungus and living uh, living stuff. And uh, and I specialize. I happen to specialize in cannabis. So um, there's, uh, there's many other things, but Not mostly just- cannabis happen how i mean how does that happen how did you get to, how did you specialize in cannabis like where did you get your start with uh, consulting and and then this um yeah i mean really um i just uh, like many others i just found the plant when i was uh you know young as a young man Absolutely. and uh so my love for it became uh you know it was right away i really enjoyed it i kind of just wanted to recreate it um so that's really where it started um and uh, that's where I started, you know, first started popping seeds and throwing them in, you know, my mom's potting soil and starting there. And then eventually, uh, as I got older, I got into, you know, a little more professional with it and got into hydroponics and got into, um, you know, at one point I was doing like a 16 part, you know, uh, synthetic you sure. know, chemical nutrient sure. system. And it's got to be an easier way, man. Exactly, exactly. And from time to time, I would run into a, a pest or a pathogen and freak out and not know what to do. I mean, I've had early harvests. I've done really dumb things like spraying flowering plants with, uh, you know, with sure. aerosol cans. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> pretty much as I as Scary. I kind of made. The, yeah, right. We've all um, done it. Come on, man. I'm glad oh, you sure. admitted it, man. Dr. It my, Doom. It was my brother Tripp that did it. OK, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but, exactly. And hey, some of those people had to. You know? Hey, you know what, man? You're ignorant. For You were all born ignorant, you know? And then the important thing is that we learn. Either we learn from our follies or we learn from somebody else's mistakes is what I'd love to do, man. So, man, at, oh, dude, help, help us learn, brother. You know, so, help, dude, yeah. I've spent hundreds of dollars on beneficials before. I've, I've had spider mites where I fought them with persimilids and would be like, dude, they're just not working. You know, I'd buy a bill and we'll send them to you again. They sent them two, three times and they're just not working. And so, you know, give me like the, give me some best practices, man, like a best time. I know what my problem was invite the environment was wrong for the type of bugs I had. So give me just some best practices for introducing sure. beneficials into your IPM. Definitely. So, yeah. So like you said, a lot of people's uh, experience with beneficials gets, is, uh, gets ruined because uh, each one is very specific. It has a very specific uh, climate relative humidity, temperature that it does best in. Some of them um, don't do well outdoors. Some of them do better in greenhouses or indoors. So uh, a big problem that happens is somebody will, you know, have good results with uh, Persimilis or with uh, Andersoni and say, oh, this one works the best. Everyone uses this one. Well, your neighbor who's, you know, two houses down from you might have completely different conditions in their grow. And that one might not do well at all. And so so So, you got temperature and humidity you have to worry about? (laughs) 
So yeah, temperature, relative humidity. Um, you got your square footage. Kind of knowing uh, canopy space can be helpful. It's okay. not always. Usually we go by square footage anyways. Okay. But um, uh, yeah. So those are helpful. That's gonna getting the optimal performance out of each mite. You know, there's probably um, at least nine, if not more, um, predator mites available commercially. Maybe more like twelve. I'm not. Really? I have to look back. But um, uh, wow. It, that are that are available commercially. There's tons okay. of them. But um. Uh, and each one has its own climate that it that it does the best in, and they go after specific types. So, uh, you know, Persimilis, for instance, only goes after two-spotted spider mite. Right, That's right. A, it's a very interesting one. It's uh, very fast at reproducing, but uh, if it doesn't get that two-spotted spider mite, it just doesn't perform optimally. It won't it won't uh, reproduce fast. It loses its effectiveness. So, so give me the top three top three pests that your call that your phone rings off the hook for them. Sure, two-spotted spider sure. mite. Give me the other two. Right now, the devastators are going to be russet mites and uh, root aphids. So oh, those are uh, those are the killers right now. I'm gonna smoke a bong hit just to just to, that's bad juju right there, man. Well, he said the yeah. word root aphids, man. <laughs> oh, Talking yeah. about the hemp russet mites, man, that really became an issue with their size. They are harder to identify, and they were being misdiagnosed as a pH lockout issue with leaf oh, formation tiny, and right? things. What's that? They're really oh, tiny, yeah. aren't they? Oh, they're extremely tiny. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, millimeters or 0.1 millimeters, right. 0.2, some of them. So right. I still claim if you know what you're looking for, I don't recommend it, but I've really a 30 times scope. You can still see them, but you really want to start with 60 times magnification. For well, those what guys, are you looking for, sure. for? Dude, tell me the symptoms. What do you see when you when you see hemp rosin mite problems? First of all, so, uh, go ahead. Yeah, no, definitely. So first off, if you're seeing symptoms, it's a little late in the game. Ouch. You, by the time, that's what oh. sucks about um, oh. those russet mites. By the time you notice the symptoms, there are generations in there. They are, uh, you might think it's a light infestation at right. that point, but if you're seeing, uh, and what the symptoms are, are going to be uh, tacoing, is what they call it, sure. or canoeing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just leaves folding in. Um, uh, with russet mites, a lot of times they'll start at the uh, bottom of the plant and eat the new growth at the bottom. So like the tops of the bottoms are dying off. Are they in the soil the or the leaf, russet mites? Um, they're mostly in the leaf, but you know, they're so tiny that, you know, just like all other mites, eggs eggs fall off, pregnant females fall off. Right. They go into diapause. They might as well, I, I picture them as clouds just revolving around the plant, almost not even on the plant. Wow, okay. Like just uh, sure. just the way that they move with wind and how tiny they are. Okay. So wait, back up real quick. You said if there's already generations of them, we already see. So if you're consulting a garden that already has damage, mm -hmm. are you going to be like, look, we're too far gone. We should we should sterilize and start over. Um, very rarely. On if on site, it's it's easier to make that type of decision. Um, you know, it's it's a little bit harder. But really, I'm a I'm a big believer that you can save you can save it. Um, okay. You know, I'm I'm big. At some point, we are bigger than these plants. You know, you can grab one and mechanically wipe it down if, if need be. Sure. I know that doesn't really make sense. On it's not always feasible on like a acres and acres. But if you take that concept and build on it, really, that's how things work. Well, they you call can it mechanically removal? remove them. Maybe. There's no reason why that bug should defeat you. Right on. So, I like um, that mentality, man. I like yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you have to be. So they're, they are beatable. I'm going to tell you that right off the back. Is there Something any kind that, of trick for mechanical removal? I mean, come, do, if I get out the vacuum cleaner, I mean, is that good <laughs> or bad? Come on, man. Give me some kind of trick, um, man. Absolutely. So you want me to, I'll start you off with, let's start off with cuttings, all right? Okay. First off, anybody receiving any cuttings from anywhere, um, start with the great quarantine process. My favorite one, very, very cost effective. It's sulfur. 
you know, there's a big disconnect, I feel like, in um, cannabis agriculture and the rest of agriculture sometimes. Okay. And if you do enough research, you'll find out, like, okay, for all uh, microscopic mites, all those type of things, they, uh, in, in all their, all of their industries, mm -hmm. they use sulfur primarily. It's Burn cheap. that sulfur. It's effective. It, it's honestly, uh, it's not harmful. Right. Know? Right. And so, people don't want to do that because they're afraid of it affecting the flavor of their cannabis, I think. And of course, Absolutely. yeah, but of course we're not doing it in flowering. Absolutely. So there's a time to cut off sulfur and that's, that's part of it. So there's some rules with sulfur though. Um, so let's start with the cutting, right? So we take the cuttings, we have them in our tray or whatever. Right. We fill up a glass, something like a, it can literally be, depending on the size of the cutting is how big the glass could be sure. of water. Mix in the right dilution rate of sulfur. Just take each cutting, just dip the top in there, shake it off a little bit. Dunking, I'll tell you this, dunking and submerging um, is always going to be better than spraying. And Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 100%. Um, you know, especially when we're talking about microscopic little mites. You know, I dunk it in there and I shake it around just so that no, some are caught in a little air bubble. Yeah. Yep, I agree with you 100%. So then you shake that guy off and then uh, you might even want to rinse it off. One thing about sulfur, in, with, combined with light and especially combined with other insecticides, right. can burn really bad. So, uh, but a cosmetic burn is much better than having resonite. So, uh, <laughs> so when it comes down to it, you can do that every three that. days, every three days, take those same cuttings and dunk them. Right. Now, what do you have for, um, if it's, if your plants are too big to dunk, you know, is there like a, a, wettable, a wettable or a soluble hey. powder with sulfur or do you have to go to the burner? A trash um, can, brother. You can dunk a decent sized plant in a trash can. <laughs> fill that. That's absolutely and right. sulfur is I, cheap, man. True. That's absolutely right. And if it's a mother that you need to keep, mm -hmm. and that's what that's what you have to do. But there is micronized sulfur and there is a wettable sulfur. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, you just have to rinse it off really well. Again, it doesn't work as well because these are microscopic little creatures. Two droplets can be, you know, not touch, and there could be mites running down the center. So, so back um, in the day, people would use sulfur burners and veg. What are those about? I don't see those being popular anymore. What, do you know anything about those? Yeah. Yeah, so burners are more for powdery mildew. Okay. Um, it's, it's really hard to gas out. Any type of person that's trying to bomb or gas out a mite, it's very difficult to do. They're really small. Got it. So, so to suffocate them, I mean, it just takes a little air pocket to, to save them. So uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult to do. So, um, so going from there, going from the cuttings, you know, yep. we, we go into, uh, so we're in all stages, right? So we're going to treat the, um, the ones in, that are in veg still, we're going to try to sulfur hit them. If, um, because you have to rinse off the sulfur before turning on the lights again, if that's not feasible because of the labor, because of something else, um, there is stuff like green cleaner, which can be effective. Right. Um, uh, Nucum or big time exterminator seem to work really well. There's not a whole lot of things. I got the, um, that's one nice thing is I got the experience of working for a company that um, did biological control and at the same time taking care of uh, working with another company, a dispensary, where I took care of uh, a mother room. Oh, so nice. I got to actually, Both ends, you know, yeah. I can I could read how it works in theory, and then I got to actually do it in, in real life. Hey, and, have, uh, have you ever had some, something where you just got to go, man, just throw these plants out, man? They're, they're just yeah, too infested? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it takes, that's one skill of the grower that that, that, that each grower needs to have, know and learn is uh, when it's got to that point. Right. Um, uh, for me, it's just it has to do with uh, convenience more than anything. Um, if it's some, if I need to save something, I will save it. There's no way something is going to beat me 
uh, that way. And, you know, I'm not going to let something completely take me down while I'm watching it happen. Right. Love so, it. Love it. What, what so, hey, get do? motivated, man. Yeah. Angry. Get angry at them. Before. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's people that have, that have burned down their whole grow, sterilized their room, moved across town only for it to pop right back up. <laughs> So, I mean, eventually at some point, and I'm sure you, you're well aware of sure. how it's spreading terribly, uh, you just got to learn how to deal with them and how to live with them, how to fight with them. So what do you do, though, as far as I remember when I used to have spider mites, I would try to knock them down first and then introduce the beneficials. So just to knock the population down a bit, man, is that just Absolutely. a mechanical removal? What, what other techniques do we have to knock the population down without, you know, if you, if you spray something that has a residual then it's going to yeah. kill your beneficials. So what's a, what are some effective knockdown techniques? Green cleaner is what you're saying? Or you know, give me a couple. Yeah, so for vegging plants, again, mm -hmm. my, I go to sulfur, but okay. rinse it off. But then we have the other ones, the green cleaner, the nucum, mm -hmm. the uh, big-time exterminator. There's okay. actually a new one come, that came out called uh, Wizard's Brew that um, uh, actually claims like with two treatments – I mean, I'm not, I'm not working with Wizards Brew, just so you know, but sure. they, um, uh, they claim that they can like uh, wipe out rusted mite infestations. I've seen it pop up. I, I believe it's in Colorado. If, huh. if not, it's in some other states where it's on your guys' list. But keep us informed, um, uh, brother. Keep us informed. Yeah, Those are bold. You know, now you said you said Green Cleaner twice now. I know they market hard and they're they're well known in our industry. Do you know what you know? I know it's some type of soapy. You know, plenty of people have been like, you can just make that. Do you know much about the product? I have never used it myself, but because um, I haven't had to, but. Sure. I believe it's essential oils. Um, I believe essential oils, alcohols in it and sodium lauryl sulfate. And I don't know a whole lot about sodium lauryl sulfate. That's the one I'm a little bit hesitant with just because of that. Sure. Okay. Um, also, don't use green cleaner and flour because of the alcohol content. Gotcha. Um, okay. uh, no, no, no peroxides or alcohol sprays. People, you know, those can work and kill mites too, but sure. also are great solvents. And, <laughs> yeah. and, uh, well, I got so, uh, Go ahead, Chad. Oh, I was going to say, so going back to the knockbacks you were saying, yeah. you want, what you want to do is do it at least three to five times a few days apart. Okay. That's the most important thing. No matter what you decide to use, it's about repetition. What is the and, life cycle of a spider mite? Just so we know, about seventy-two. What is it? Give, give me the. You know, you know. I've heard um, it really depends on the mite. Some okay. of them are around a month. Some of them, from start to finish, if they're active, can be like a month long. Okay. You know, and, and, mites, and, but it, that doesn't almost matter because of how they're. We're not fighting the adult. The adult's so easy to kill. Got Soap it. will kill it. This will kill it. We're fighting the life cycle. Okay. We're fighting the constant nymphs and eggs that are falling off into the soil and the hard to reach areas. And that's that, what that life cycle is almost completely dependent upon the temperature of the yeah, environment, environment they're in, too, because Absolutely. their reproductive rates just uh, exponentially increase up until like 110 degrees, and then they just start to die at that point. A but, mite will live forever at absolute zero. But you can slow them, sl slow down their metabolism and then turn their reproduction rate if it, you have a cold temp colder temperature in the room. It does make sense. Yeah, no, that's definitely, those are great, you know, I think those are great techniques for uh, in-between grows. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're, they're not aggressive enough to fight an active grow, right. I believe. Um, now, if you could get your room to like exactly 116 degrees all the way through, you know, and not breach like 121, I think is like the max or something, right. you may be able to do that. Um, but again, uh, we can't, that, we're talking about a lab, that's like lab conditions. Yeah, yeah and we a grow, can't do that. 
Wait, what if I can plan. get my room to, to 68, 65 for, for three, four, five days while I'm trying to battle this problem? It'll slow them down. It'll slow them down a lot, um, definitely. But, you know, with, with every mite species, uh, the way that they work is you got you got ones that will go to um, into diapause early. So diapause is like their hibernation. Okay. So mm, as, it like cold, as it gets cold, um, some of them go to bed early. Some of them go into diapause or hibernation uh, later in the season. Some of them never do and let the cold die, kill them. So that's why on, that's why you'd find like on uh, years where you have uh, weak winters, mites are generally really bad because some of them that were all year, that's when all of them are awake, especially about around midsummer. Right. Um, all the early risers, the late risers, uh, the, every, everyone's awake. Triple threat. Yeah. So... Uh, so yeah, it's really it has to do so much with the with the life cycle and timing and timing everything out. All right. I, I I feel like you should have it almost knocked down to where you see zero mites. I always tell people don't worry about not having enough food for the mites to get there. Like they will have food. There will be a bounce back always. So thoroughly take them out, make it seem like they were never there. Follow up with the appropriate my predator. Right. And that, um, if, if so you would never do the two together, you would never spray while your predators are in there. Right. Cause it, cause uh, no. Okay. And there's only uh, and all those things I mentioned by the time they're dry, will no, will not hurt a uh, predator. Mite. And that's called so, residual is what we're looking for. Is that the right question to ask when you're asking about a knockdown? Yeah. We want with, yeah. with, with no residual. Right. And it's exactly, just your, yeah. your re-entry interval into the room too. That's right. Yeah, there's an REI yeah, that that um that's important, especially if your people are working with uh you know like uh, state licensed things. The REI is important. But we were talking about like the bugs, most of that stuff. I mean, shouldn't have an REI. Once it's dry, once it's dry, they can walk right over it. Right. I mean, right, because they're safe. The REIs are for things where it's like uh you know, Avid is gonna we will poison your body for the next 24 hours if you walk in oh, that yeah. room. You're like, oh yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, well I, I forget just one of the main medicine. points. I wanted to throw in is, uh, and sometimes this is easily forgot about in this conversation, is very healthy plants. Plants that are going to naturally be able to try and resist or not attract. You know, I've, I've seen it in the grow room, Chad, where I had a plant, a, sil a super silver haze. I'll never forget. It was infested with hemp. So you could see it, hemp russets. And it was touching and sharing leaf surface with three other different plants. Like they could all share canopy, but the russets loved that strain. It wasn't yep. an unhealthy plant, and the other plants didn't show it. I've seen the same with PM sure. that loved the strawberry, uh, so whatever, right. Kyle Cushman, strawberry Off. Kush or something. And But the the great white that was in there never got PM, and it totally shared the same tent. Yep. So there's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of factors there as well. I wanted to ask real quick, though, with this information and, and pests have always been, uh, not always available, but greenhouse growing and all that, it's implemented in well. I'm starting, I think, to see a trend. The issue is the guy with a 5x5 five five or 4x410 four four or the closet, mm -hmm. they don't need the packet of sachet, sachet of however many. I see some people on Amazon here and there selling like smaller quantities and bringing it down. But it was always a challenge for me to be like, okay, one, I got to pay for the quick shipping. Mm -hmm. And two, I'm not, I'm getting way more than I need. But I think I see some companies making an adjustment there because it's tough for this smaller grower doesn't need that many, you know, beneficial insects at times. Yeah, it really is. You're right. Um, uh, and, and for some of those sachets, um, you know, the one thing about the sachets, some people have preferences for them. Um, I will say that they only, uh, the only ones that I've seen mostly commercially are actually the more, or only, or work well in more humid environments. A lot of them don't even work in uh, in uh, hot 
hotter, dry environments. Yeah. So, um, so really, and you can make your own sachet. You know, it's not that difficult like, to construct. What is a sachet? What is a sachet? Um, uh, Sounds classy. Take a one ounce, uh, take a one ounce Dixie cup okay. and go pin it to your plant. That's that'll work just fine. And pour your adult mite predators in there. And, I like it. Uh, yeah, you can work around that. No problem. Sure. Um, and those are supposed to be these slow release pouches, is what it is that they give you. That uh, that's like, what it is. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. Understood. Hey, so what? What? what um, it's the best thing just to buy a certain quantity of mites and just to have them released. And, and if I was going to do that, would I want to call somebody like you, have you consult? Because, man, I have wasted a ton of money before I, I – uh, <laughs> Oh, I hear that. Yeah, you, you, you want to call somebody like yeah. me that uh, yeah, they, that you can use for consulting and hold accountable too. You know, I, know, you know I know what I'm talking about. I'll, sure. I'll, I'm not just going to sell you something and let you go. It's going to be you – know, we're in this together. I'll, I'm in it to the end. So, not, you know, I want to solve the problem. How do we find you? By the way, man. I don't know oh, you find can, you. You can find me at um uh, uh right now my email uh, that would be uh, atticusfarms at gmail.com. That's spelled A T T A C U S farms at gmail.com. Nice. You can That's... just reach me there for consulting or whatever any other questions you might have. Excellent. Um, uh, Excellent. And, um, and me and you are kind of on the same organic uh, vibe together, man. I really like where you go with, with your organic principles. And one of the things I, I listened to, uh, Sir Albert Howard, you know, one of the uh, founders of biodynamic farming, and he'll talk about how uh, a plant shouldn't be or can't really grow without humus, you know, with, without having, you know, soil organic matter in there. Do you think that he said a plant really can't be healthy, be truly healthy? Do you believe that? Do you believe that that has anything to do with a um, you know, IPM and a plant's ability to fight off uh, uh, pests? Well, 100%. I would, actually, let me see. I wouldn't say it can't be healthy without that. Okay. I'd say that it would take tons of micromanaging mm -hmm. of uh, nutrients and to the, to the point to where it would be expensive and not make any sense you to have try to, to hire to guru. nature, which is already there. Right. Um, but uh, we see it in commercial agriculture everywhere with hydroponic growing. It's oh, like, yeah. It's destroying, the, like you're saying, the humus layer. Our, our, the topsoil of the, of the U.S. is just degraded since we've got here right, terribly. Guru, guru and I were talking about flying helicopters this morning for some <laughs> weird reason. And I was saying a helicopter, at least back in the 80s when I flew in one, it was inherently out of control. And the operator was constantly making these micro adjustments to keep you alive. <laughs> and I was like, fuck that. I went up and one, one time and then he's like nah yeah you go on them now the computer does everything man. well think about it they got little <laughs> drones that fly perfectly like yeah. with obstacle avoidance and everything in a drone oh, yeah. but, and all that is technology that's been ported over sure. the military no my, my point is just that when I think about plants I think about trying to you know the the 1980s helicopter with every micro adjustment is is trying to <laughs> use synthetics or just let mother nature drive man humans oh, yeah. thousands and thousands of, of uh, uh, things that you know, chemicals and and uh, uh, living biological substances, we don't even know what they are, you know, but they, it seems to work. And by the way, if you try to duplicate that and put it in a, uh, a, you know, a mass spectrometer and try to duplicate it and make a chemical out of it, it don't work the same, man. We don't it, get it. It really yet. doesn't. Um, uh, no, you're absolutely right. And it, it just goes back to, uh, you know, just building the soil and, and like like the old the old way of, a, of a, having a clean lab of uh, where everything's sterile. Right. And, and that's where you grow out of. Right. And, and it's it's really changed a lot. I mean, it's more uh, now I'm more under the um, uh, belief that you want to have uh, the most hostile environment you can. Yeah, you, you want to have uh, you want to select all the all the correct instead of having sterile, you want to have tons of bacteria, bacteria and fungus, just mm -hmm. the ones that you select. 
to be in there. I you want to have snakes you. in your hoods, man. That's right. You want to have <laughs> rats, you want to have snakes. That's right. Holy shit, so, uh, man. But yeah, there's a big problem up. with organic uh, um, agriculture that way, just um, where people are, you know, even something that can be considered sustainable, um, organic nutrient, um, you know, has to be shipped from, you know, who knows where, brought on a ship. You know, using tons of oil and, uh, you know, just to bring it to your door. Sure. You're getting on a FedEx truck. So, you know, whatever you can do to get outside and turn fertilizer out of weeds in your yard or, um, you know, really sustainable organic agriculture. Wow. That's, You're motivating that's me for that about. compost. This that worm bin, cool, that compost. Man. Yeah. Well, compost is a great example. Um, compost is great, but tons of people want to buy it. And there's not, there's like not enough poop to go around and everyone shouldn't be spreading it all over their yard and then you know the emissions from that that's not necessarily sustainable either no. so there are a lot of techniques with like no-till i know you guys have had some no-till people on before sure i was listening to one of those yeah. earlier yeah no-till gardening's great i love that the whole biodynamic a lot of it feeds in with um uh biodynamic farming um uh you know just having that fully sustainable uh, this part of the land, you know, feeds this part of the land. Yeah, and I really think that's the way to animals. go. That's going to be the future of this. I believe it too. Uh, and but I yeah. do believe that having a, you know, uh, your, uh, what am I trying to think? You know, your garbage composted by earthworms, and then using that leachate to grow. Man, that's a that's a great, you know, what you and the earthworm castings that come off there. Uh, to, no, you know, top 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 dress those, and you don't need a ton more if you build a decent soil to start with, man. Oh yeah, it's amazing how many deficiencies you can fix too, especially on a young seedling mm -hmm. with just top dressing with worm castings. Yep, yep, micro. There was a grow tip from an OG grower. I went into the uh, store and I totally just forgot about it and I, uh, where I used to work and he was behind the counter. I'm like, dude, I'm just having this one problem with uh, a little bit of yellowing in this. He's like, you know what? Can't fully tell because I can't see your plant, but what you need to make some worm tea. Super easy, man. Yep. Just make some worm tea. Top dress, and we always preach mixing worm in. And Scotty, you said it. I just had visualizations of worms eating my compost. I'm getting excited to get one of those going yeah, here. Uh, or you're not eating my compost, but eating my food scraps to make some good liche. Is it liche? I don't know. Uh, you're from. You're from. Yeah, I don't know. Liche. I always read it. Liche. I don't have no idea. <laughs> you're from I'm Canada now, man. You get away with saying things however you want. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I will. Uh, um, go ahead, Scott. I don't know if that's, we got to get Chad back on uh, yeah, with this whole other realm of not just pest management and whatnot, but you have a really good vision on, uh, on other things that we, we think alike on with the show. Oh, definitely. I'd love to come on again. Um, yeah. Or the whole, the whole organic world and the whole cannabis world and the way that's going. Um, some of it's way off base, but a lot of, a lot of the, um, big growers, at least that I've talked to and dealt with are really going the right direction. It's funny how things have come full circle from, you know, it's trying to micromanage feedings from, you know, 16 part hydroponic sure. systems to, to um, trying to recreate nature basically. Well, it's, um, it's the philosophy of what we're trying to do. Are we trying to make money at $4,800 a pound or are we trying to grow great whole plant medicine? You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another, yeah. Wait till bricks levels gets involved with cannabis. You know, right. that's a huge thing that's left out is, um, you know, we're so focused on yields because of the, being underground for so long. It's all about yield per light or mm -hmm. gram per watt. Um, when they do bricks levels testing, it's amazing how, you know, the same defoliating techniques they use to get high yields will destroy your bricks levels. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. And, and, th and those I really have believe have to do with, you know, secondary metabolites or secondary chemicals and, 
that are inside the plant, all the different cannabinoids that, you know, provide the whole entourage effects. Not just the THC, which is, you know, affected by the main. I think we got to declare Chad a friend of the show, man. He's got, he's yeah, got too many can... things to say, brother. You can come on anytime you like, man. Oh, man. Awesome. Continue the conversation with uh, maybe next time. I know we got to get bouncing here. Yeah. Um, when we talk about all this style of growing and no-till and these inputs and compostings and warm bends. There are a lot of growers online that are in the grid, if I call it. They're in the city. They're mm-hmm. in a tight residential area. They don't have the space. They don't have the access. And that's why, because they don't want to fully poo-poo on saying, hey, this person's using a, a good four or five bottle system sure. that works for them. What's yeah, in the, the bottles is work, man. good. What's that? No, the, the blue yeah, crystals work. work, you know? Why would I change? No, absolutely. What works for you does work. Um, when it comes down to it, though, there's there's a responsibility you have as a grower if you want to contribute, like contribute to uh, what's wrong in the world or, you know, what you believe is correct. Um, also, there's ways around it. You know, you things like compost teas can, can take the place of a lot of nutrients, um, a lot of bottled nutrients, fermented. Uh, I mean, we can go on fermented plant extracts, stuff. Mm-hmm. Literally, stuff oh, yeah. you can gather out in the outside your house. Are you talking you about FPS? Yeah, that's right. I'm talking about FPS. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> dude, so something cool, just man. like that. Um, go gather some weeds outside, you know, and, and chop them up, oh, and, and then go Google the content of what's inside of them. Hey, that's you know, all. You, that's it. You know. <laughs> I was saying the guy who grows the world record holding tomato, the world, the world's largest tomato, says uh, it's because of the kudzu compost that he makes. And everybody just rolls their eyes at him. But sure enough, he's got the world record. Hey, think about it. Kudzu is yeah. one of the fastest growing plants in the world. That's what he says. It can grow but, like 13 yeah. feet in a day. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a ton of science in it, you know, or at least verifiable science yet. But that's what he's saying. And he's well, got if you look record. at uh, seaweed, seaweed's a good example. Mm-hmm. That can grow a foot a day in the seaweed ocean. Seaweed. They use that all over agriculture. Yeah, I sell bamboo. I sell bamboo. You know, I, I originally, uh, I don't say originally, as a cover, I bought a bamboo farm, man. Down in Florida. Nice. But but uh, it's, awesome. I, I say bamboo is the fastest growing plant on land because seaweed or kelp is the fastest growing plant in the world. That's right. Yeah, and you can imagine what all those growth hormones, uh, you know, if you can just extract them correctly. That's why I choose weeds. I'm not they telling you it's really my- fast and pull nutrients out of the ground where normally they you know, wouldn't be found by other plants. Yeah, I'm not saying it's my secret ingredient, but it's it's, it's a yeah. secret ingredient, man. Oh, sure, I got you. Yeah, bamboo. I've heard a lot of good things about bamboo. I'm out in the desert. I utilize a lot of aloe vera. It's super easy to grow out here. Very cool. Um, I love aloe. I mean, I put it in everything. Yeah, right on. Tis aloe. Yeah, between aloe and uh, and seaweed, there's not in uh, in worm castings. There's not if, if your plant's not responding to that and when it's having a hard time, sure, a tea of that, then there's something seriously wrong there. Um, Man, come on back, come on back. I want to talk to you about the plant because it what it doesn't sound like if you give somebody some good quality food and they don't feel better, then there's something really wrong with them. I've been playing around with the idea of the biodynamic principles of plants and animals being connected, uh, plants and and humans being connected. You know, so I'd love to come back and, and BS with you about that. I'll bet you that mean you could have yeah. a good conversation about it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I could. We could. This is this was a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Uh, I really appreciate it, brother. Definitely. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me on, and uh, I'd love to come on any other time. So, Right on. Hit it up. What's your Gmail one more time if people want to get in touch? All right. The Gmail, it is atticusfarms at gmail.com. That is spelled um, A-T-T-A-C-U-S 
at gmail or sorry farms at gmail.com all right I, I like that right. man he's got his hands in the bugs man he ain't worried about making websites all right just gmail tell me to be responsible with my bottles come on all right we'll figure it out though we'll figure it out thanks nice man chat. yeah we'll meet halfway we'll meet halfway all right peace out all right have a good day guys take your easy brother some people love to blaze up the deck yeah we get happy for noon to take a little break That means we lighten up a dude It's just weed It's just weed I like to keep the good buzz on, on, on It's just weed It's just weed In my toolbox there's a bone Some people start their day off with a pill It's what the doctor says to do They shake their heads Natural medicine, go ahead and try something new. It's just weed, it's just weed. I like to keep the good on. It's just weed, it's just weed. I like to smoke it all day long. Just look at how he's being paid